Let's open our Bibles now to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus, the 12th chapter, we'll begin our reading in verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that's in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when you become to the land which the Lord will give you, according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So did they. Thank God for his word. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we bow before you this morning, a thankful people. How can we begin to thank you for all your countless many blessings to your people in Christ our Savior? We thank you for a Savior who saves his people from all of their sin. Him who we will remember this morning. Remember his sacrifice as we take the bread and the wine. Remember his body broken for our sins, and his blood shed to put away the sin of his people. For how we thank you for a Savior who saves to the uttermost the worst of sinners who come to him, trusting him to be all of their salvation. Father, how we thank you for the the blessing that you've sent us, the the preaching of the gospel. We thank you you blessed your word in, in calling out your sheep, feeding your sheep, instructing and edifying and comforting your people. By the preaching of the word. You've preserved us a place. Where we can hear your gospel preached. And come together with your people in worship. Father how thankful we are. How we thank you for your calling. Saving. Regenerating. Keeping grace. You've shed your grace so abundantly upon this congregation. Father we're so humbled. We say with David. Who am I? What is my house? Who are we? That you'd be so merciful to us. Father we're thankful. Thankful for this opportunity to meet together and worship. And Father, I pray you'd make this hour a special hour of worship. That you'd send your spirit upon us and enable us to worship from the heart. Not just go through fleshly motions of religion. Not just playing at religion. But Father, you enable us to worship. Father, I pray you'd reveal your glory. Your redemptive glory in this place this morning. Oh, if we could see Christ our Savior, the Redeemer of His people, the successful, victorious Redeemer, I know our hearts would worship. 
Father, we're thankful. And we pray, Father, that you'd bless others, your people, wherever they might meet together today. Bless your word where it's preached. We pray a special blessing our brother Eric as he's preaching in, in Wheelersburg. Bless him mightily, Father, for your glory and for the good of your people. Father, for those that you've brought into the valley of trouble and trial, we pray for them. We pray your, that you give them a special portion of your presence, that you'd heal, that you'd comfort, but that you would deliver. But, Father, above all, that you would give them a special portion of your presence, comfort their hearts with your presence, and give them a fulfillment of your promise that your grace is sufficient. Father, all these things we ask, and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. All right, for our visitors this morning, just in case you don't know, we're looking through a a series of questions that we're asking in the Scriptures and attempting to answer them. The question I want to look at this morning, the title of this message, is what mean ye by this service? In verse 26, Moses tells the people, it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, what mean ye by this service? The children of Israel here, are observing the very first Passover. They're observing it as slaves in Egypt. And after this night, they're going to be set free from Egypt. And Lord commanded them, here's how he's going to deliver them from the house of the bondman. They're going to observe this, the Passover, put the blood on the door. And Moses tells them, now you keep this Passover every year to remember, to celebrate how the Lord set you free from slavery in Egypt. It will be a constant reminder to you. Now, I would just imagine that everybody who was there on that first Passover, I bet that night was so significant, they always remembered it. Wouldn't you think? They had to remember eating that meal with the staff in their hand, their shoes on their feet, their loins girded, they were ready to leave that place. They had to remember the father putting the, the blood on the door, coming in and shutting the door, and say, now nobody go out till morning. We're going to sit here and eat the Passover together. And there they sat, the Lord passed through the land. Killed the firstborn in every home that did not have blood on the door. They had to remember hearing that wail that went up from the Egyptian houses. Don't you reckon? Look back at chapter 11, verse 6. The Lord told Moses how this thing's going to shake out. In verse 6 he says, And there should be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it, anymore and they heard that wail look at uh, chapter 12 verse 30 and pharaoh rose up in the night he and all his servants and all the egyptians and there was a great cry in egypt for there was not an house where there was not one dead now whoever heard that cry don't you reckon they had to remember it there wasn't one like it before or after they remembered it but over the years most of Israel would not have a first-hand memory of this night, would they? People would die, children would be born, did not have first-hand memory of this night. And since children are curious by nature, they would ask their parents, why are we doing this? What, what, what does all this mean? All this ceremony during the week of the Passover. Why can't I have soft white bread? Why do I got to have this hard unleavened bread? Why, why are we doing this? You know, it's a very good thing. When children ask questions, I encourage children, you ask questions, ask questions 
of your parents because it's a good way to learn. You ask a question about something you don't know, that's the way to find out what you don't know. Ask questions. I love it when children ask questions. Now, that can kind of strike fear in the hearts of, of parents sometimes, can it? You know, one thing parents need to need to do, you two need to remember this. When you have a child, something you got to learn how to do is talk and pray at the same time. Your child's going to ask you a question, you're going to be praying, Lord, show me how to answer this question. You know, you got to talk and pray at the same time. But when your children ask you, what do you mean by this surface? You don't have to wonder. The Lord tells us what to say. Look at verse 27. And then you shall say, it's the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the, the Egyptians and delivered our houses. That's the answer. That's the answer we're to give. And the children of Israel observed this Passover every year, remembering how the Lord set them free from bondage in Egypt. And it wasn't by a mighty army, was it? It was by the blood. It was by the blood, by the sacrifice of the Lamb. They were remembering to worship God and thank Him for His redemption of them. Now this morning, we're going to observe the Lord's table. And I want to quickly look at what the, the Passover means and then tell you, in case somebody's wondering, what do you mean by this surface, this bread and wine? What do you mean by it? I hope to tell you. Now in the Passover, number one, look back at the beginning of chapter 12. The Passover says, there, we, this is what we mean, we observe the Passover, there's got to be a lamb. Verse 3. Speaking, or, yeah, chapter 12, verse 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. Now the reason says everybody's got to take a lamb is that if sin's going to be put away, there must be a lamb sacrificed. God's justice demands there be death for sin. And the lesson of the Passover is this. Either the firstborn dies or the lamb dies as my substitute. There's got to be death. And the only way that I cannot die is if the lamb dies in my place as my substitute. Now this is so important because the Passover lamb that they selected is a picture of Christ our Savior. John the Baptist identified him this way. Behold, now this is, this is a wonder, you look and see this, the Lamb of God come to take away the sin of the world. Come to take away the sin of His people as a lamb who would suffer and die in their place as their substitute. And His blood has put away the sin of His people. When the Father sees the blood, He's satisfied. He knows sin has been paid for. Christ died as a substitute for his people so his people can never die. Now the death of Christ as a substitute for his people satisfied the justice of his father. The death of Christ, his blood paid the sin debt of God's people in full. Now there's no more debt. Where there's no sin, there's no debt. The blood of Christ took away the sin of his people. And that's what enables the father in holy exact righteous justice to pass over his people and not put them to death because Christ already died in their place. His death satisfied God's justice. That's why God doesn't kill you. There's been lambs slain in your place, in your stead. So there's got to be a lamb. But number two, there's got to be a lamb for me. Moses said, you take a, a, a lamb for every house. For every house, there's got to be a lamb for every firstborn. 
See, there had to be a lamb slain for every firstborn. There couldn't be one that counted for all the firstborn in Egypt. There had to be a lamb for every firstborn. That lamb had to die. Or God, when he passed through that night, would kill that firstborn. Now here's the picture. It's not good enough just to know there's got to be a lamb. It's not good enough just to know there's got to be a sacrifice. It's not good enough to know all men are sinners, so that men need a sacrifice for their sin. It's not even good enough to know that the blood of the lamb must be shed and must be applied to the doorpost. It's not good enough to, to know the each step that must be done. If I'm going to be delivered from God's justice, the Holy Spirit has to show me I need a lamb. A lamb must be killed for me. A lamb must die for my sin because I can't pay for it. See, here, here's, here's where business is done. First thing God shows His people when He saves them is the Holy Spirit's got to teach me I'm a sinner. There's one thing to know all, all, all men, all sons of Adam are sinners. It's another thing to know that I'm a sinner. That I'm the chief of sinners. It's another thing altogether to know God would be just in sending me to hell. Me. Me. Christ, the Lamb of God, He's got to suffer and die for my sin. He's got to take what I deserve or I will. I, I'm a sinner. I'm the sinner and I need a lamb for me. I need Christ to die for me. So there's got to be a lamb. There's got to be a lamb for me. But now thirdly, it can't just be any lamb, can it? The Passover says I need a perfect lamb. I need, the lamb's got to be perfect if he's going to get the job done. Verse 5 says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you're going to watch it for 14 days. Now the lamb that the father would go out and select for that Passover lamb, it can't be sick and old. It can't be a lamb that's going to die soon anyway. It it can't be a three-legged lamb, you know, that's not worth much. You can't sell it for as much on the market. This lamb must be in the prime of his life. He's got to be perfect. He's got to be completely healthy. It's got to be at the time when he's at his most physical strength. Because when this lamb dies, he he can't die of disease. He can't die of old age. This lamb's got to die because his life was sacrificed. He died as a substitute for the firstborn. So the firstborn could live. Now here's why it's so important. This lamb must be perfect. Because this lamb is a picture of Christ. The lamb of God. The Lord Jesus Christ came and he died. But now he didn't lose his life against his will, did he? No. All he had to do is say his name, say I am. And that mob couldn't take him. They all fell down backwards, didn't they? No, he didn't lose his life against his will. He didn't lose his life because he hung there so long on the cross. He didn't have the strength to live anymore. That's not why he died. Christ died because he gave up the ghost. He gave up the ghost. He gave up his life as a ransom for sin. When the sacrifice was done, when the, when the transaction was complete, the price for God, the sin of God's elect was paid in full, he cried, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost. Even then, nobody took his life from him. He gave it up. Christ our Savior willingly gave his life. He willingly suffered and died 
for you, his people. He did that willingly. Oh, my goodness. And he did it so you'd never die. He did it so the Father and his justice would pass over you. Since the Lord Jesus is the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb, the lamb of God, his pure, sinless blood is so precious, it paid for all of the sin of all of his people. His pure blood is able to wash his people white as snow. Now the Father, he's holy. This this is the error of man's religion. They always leave out this part. God's holy. He requires perfection. God can only accept a perfect sacrifice for sin. If you and I don't have a perfect sacrifice, we'll be damned. The Father requires a perfect sacrifice. So that's what he provided for himself. When he sent his son as the lamb. The perfect lamb. By his sacrifice would put away the sin of his people. So there's got to be a lamb. There's got to be a lamb for me. For my sin. The lamb must be perfect. But now here's the fourth thing. That lamb must die. Verse 6 says, And you should keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Remember when I read the account of the last Passover. It said, Luke said that the time that the Passover must be killed. Must be. The lamb must die. The Passover is a picture of the redemption of spiritual Israel. That's why the lamb has to die. You see, sin demands death. There's got to be, God's justice demands it. Either the substitute or the firstborn. The lamb or the firstborn. And if that lamb dies, the firstborn will live. And it's the only way the firstborn can live. If if the lamb dies, is it substitute? See, the lamb must shed its blood. It can't just it can't just shed its blood and live. It's got to shed its blood and die. It can't just give a pint of blood, you know, and and uh, suffer a while, but you know can recover. The lamb's got to shed its blood and die, because that's what justice demands. It's the only way sin can be put away. That's what the writer to the Hebrews said, Hebrews nine verse twenty two. Without the shedding of blood, is no remission. If there's going to be remission of sin, blood's going to have to pay it. And it's going to have to be perfect, sinless blood. Now again, that Passover lamb, he's a picture of Christ, the Lamb of God. Christ died as a substitute for his people. And if Christ died for you, you can never die. His death satisfied God's justice for your sin. Christ shed his blood to pay for the sin of his people. He shed his blood to wash them white as snow so that the Father will accept him. And I'm telling you, he got the job done. The Apostle John wrote this in 1 John 1, verse 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. His perfect blood got the job done. There's no sin left if Christ died for you. That's why the blood had to be shed. Only the blood of God could atone for the sin of his people. Christ shed his blood to make atonement. All right, now here's the fifth thing. This is very important. Each of these are so important, aren't they? The blood of the lamb must be applied. Verse 7 says, And they shall take of the blood 
and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Now God is passing through in judgment this night. Sin demands death. In Egypt that night there was death in every single home. It didn't matter whether you're uh, Israel or, or Egyptian. There was death in every home that night. Either the firstborn or the lamb. There was death in every home. And God said, when I see the blood of the lamb on the door, I'll pass over you. When there's blood on the door, this is what God knows. There's already been death in this home tonight. Justice is satisfied by the death of the substitute, so I can pass over this house in justice. So yes, the blood must be shed. God's justice is going to be satisfied. The blood's got to be shed, doesn't it? There must be death for sin. That's what blood represents, death. But the firstborn's going to die if the blood's not applied to the door. What if the father of that home did everything else right? He picked out a lamb, looked like a good, healthy, strong lamb. He watched it for 14 days. At just the right time, when Moses said, and that evening when all of Israel was killing, he killed his lamb at just exactly the right time. Not a minute early, not a minute late. He caught that blood. He caught it in a basin like God told him to. They went in and they roasted that body. with Its whole body, the legs and the pertinence thereof. And boy, they didn't sodden it all down with water. They went and ate that lamb roast with fire, with bitter herbs that they eat it. The whole family ate that lamb with a staff in their hand, their shoes on their feet, their loins were girded. Father went in and shut the door. And he said, you know, it really doesn't matter if you, if you apply the blood to the door. It, it doesn't really matter. Everything's been done right. The blood's been shed. What would happen if the father did that? His firstborn would die. The blood must be applied. Now here's the picture. Christ, the Lamb of God, He must die as my substitute. He must die bearing my sin to put my sin away. I know He died for a multitude no man can number. But He's got to die for my sin. My sin. He's got to die the death that I deserve as my substitute or I'm going to die. Now Christ has died. That's an historical fact, isn't it? Jesus of Nazareth died on the cross. I know Christ died and I know he shed his blood. But if his blood is not applied to my heart, I will perish. I'll perish. Now scripture speaks of the blood being applied to our hearts. This is what it means. It means the new birth. The new birth. It's where God gives a new righteous nature and the new birth. You remember how Moses here told him to apply that blood with, with hyssop? Hyssop was just a little kind of bushy, leafy plant, you know. As far as I can tell, they never used it for anything. But dip it into blood and applying the blood. They dip the hyssop in the, in the blood and they'd sprinkle blood, apply the blood to, to, to the doorpost. David, Psalm 51, verse 7, said, purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Now why did David say hyssop there? Because the only way I can be clean, the only way I can be washed whiter than snow is the blood. It's not the hyssop. It's what the hyssop is used for. To dip in the blood and sprinkle me with the blood. And I'll be clean. I'll be white as snow. <laughs> what David is saying here, you apply the blood of Christ to my heart and I'll be born again. I'll have a new nature. I'll be born with a new nature that's righteous and clean. Now you can't say, oh, the sacrifice of Christ is all it takes and it doesn't matter about the new birth. 
It doesn't matter about Oh, no, it matters a great deal. It matters a great deal. The blood of Christ must be applied to my heart. God's got to give me faith in Christ. God's got to cause me to be born again. God's got to give me a new heart. I need God to apply the blood of Christ to my heart. Or I'll perish. Now look over at Deuteronomy chapter 15. This whole thing of the Passover is given to us as a picture of redemption. The redemption of the souls of spiritual Israel. You know, over the years when God would talk to Israel, and he'd talk to them about this night and how they were set free from, from Egypt. God never said, remember how I set you free from Egypt. You know what God said? You remember how I redeemed you from Egypt. Here's one of those times, Deuteronomy 15, verse 15. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. That's how he set his people free, by redemption. Redemption by the blood. So this, this Passover is given to us as a picture of how God redeemed his people. And Israel observed this Passover. Thousands of years they observed this Passover. I guess roughly 2,000 years they observed the Passover. Until Christ was crucified. Until Christ, our Passover, was slain for us. And after that, there were no more Passovers. Because Christ had come and fulfilled the picture. That uh, account of the, the first Lord's table that I read to you in, in uh, Luke 22 to begin the service, that was also the last Passover. The last Passover, the first Lord's table. We don't observe the Passover anymore, do we? We're not gathering up lamb and killing the lamb and applying blood to our door. We're not doing that anymore. Because Christ came and fulfilled that. But we do observe the Lord's table. And our children might wonder, what mean ye by this service? This, this bread and, and this wine, what does all that mean? You know, our children sit, and I know they, I know they wonder about the wine. I know they do. I know of uh, children who... Uh, we used to pass that the thing down the down the, the pew. Remember how we did that? Savannah's laughing. I'm just gonna tell it with Savannah Grace. You know what she did? She's like one of them little um, things that bob in a cup of water. She stick her head right down in there and she would want to smell that wine. I mean, she got her nose as close. They wonder, what is this wine? Maybe some child went and stuck their finger in one of those empty down and tasted it. What does this wine taste like? You know, they, they do that in case you don't know. And they wonder, what mean ye by this service? Boy, it gets, it gets quiet. It gets awful quiet. All the adults, they, they seem to be so, so somber, very serious-minded, and the room is so quiet. And they hear the men break that bread, and they hear it crunching and being broken. And they see the men passing out, and they just, boy, everybody seems so serious, don't they? This is special. They, they hand out the wine and, and, the, and all the, the parents seem so serious. Why is this so special? Why does this seem to be so special for God's people? Well, let me give you three reasons. Here's what we mean when we take the bread and the wine. Number one is this. When I take this bread and this wine, I'm making a public confession before God, before my friends, my family. I'm making a confession I'm a sinner. I'm a helpless, lost, undone, helpless 
hopeless sinner, and I need Christ to save me. When I take this bread and this wine, what I'm confessing is, I am so sinful. I mean, I'm so sinful. It's so, so embarrassing, my sin and my guilt. I'm so sinful. The only way that I could be saved is if the Son of God dies in my place. I'm confessing I'm so sinful. My sin debt is so high. I'm so stained with sin through and through that only the blood of God can pay for my sin. I'm so sinful. I'm so vile. I'm so filthy in my sin. It takes the very blood of the Son of God to cleanse me of my sin. That's how sinful I am. When I take that bread and that wine, this is why I'm confessing. I'm a sinner. And I need God to save me. Only God can save me. Number two, when I take this bread and this wine, I'm confessing that Almighty God has given me faith in Christ. So when I take this bread and this wine, I'm making a public confession before God family, my friends. I'm confessing. I believe. I mean, I trust this with all my heart that Christ, His obedience and His sacrifice, that's all it takes to save me. It's not by my works. I didn't work to earn it and I don't work to keep it. It's all Christ alone. It's Christ who saves. I believe that. When I take that unleavened bread, now, what's the unleavened bread? Leaven in Scripture is a picture of sin. And if you just had, you know, Heiner's white bread and you left it sitting out, it'd rot. It'd be no good. We've had this unleavened bread, I think it's been eight years. <laughs> Same as the day we bought it. Unleavened bread is a picture of the sinless body of Christ. That's why when he, he died, his body did not decay. It had no sin. Oh, he was made sin for his people, but his blood put it away, didn't it? That's why he didn't decay. He's sinless. And the perfect obedience of Christ. He lived 33 and a half years under God's law. And he obeyed it perfectly. He never sinned. Never, he never even wanted to sin. Never even thought about sin. He never even thought about sin, but didn't do it. He never sinned. And it's His obedience. It's the obedience of Christ, my representative, that makes me righteous. His obedience is my obedience. My religious orthodoxy doesn't make me righteous. My morality, that doesn't make me righteous. Christ is my righteousness. And when I take that bread, you know what I'm saying? He's the only righteousness I want. Not only is He the only righteousness I have, He's the only righteousness that I want. I take that bread and I eat it. It crunches in my teeth and I swallow it. I'm confessing that Christ's broken body is the only way my sin could be put away. He, his body had to be broken. His back had to be lacerated like it was. That crown of thorns had to be thrust upon his head. They probably busted his lips, smacking him and, and punching him in the face. That lip had to be broken for me. His body had to be broken. Those nails broke through the skin, his hands and his feet. How painful that must have been. But it had to happen to put my seat. His body had to be broken. He's already dead. That Roman soldier had to thrust that spear into his side. And outflowed blood and water. Why? His body had to be broken. 
and his body broken for my sin. When I take that bread, that's what I'm saying. My All my hope of salvation is his broken body. He suffered what I deserve. My substitute. And when I take the wine, what I'm confessing is this. All of the hope I have of salvation, all the hope I have of the cleansing of my sin is the blood of Christ. That's all I have and that's all I want. I'm not looking for any other hope. I'm so happy to hang all my hope on the blood of Christ, aren't you? Now if the Lord's given you faith to believe Christ like that, when the men hand out this bread and this wine, you take it and you eat it and you drink it because only God could give you faith in Christ like that. All right, here's the third thing. Look over 1 Corinthians chapter 11. When I take the bread and the wine, I take that to remember. To remember Christ my Savior. To remember. I do that because that's what God told us to do. Remember I read that to you in Luke. The Lord told him, this do in remembrance of me. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Instructions for the Lord's table. 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat. This is my body broken for you. This do. Don't do something else. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now I take that bread and wine to remember my Savior. To remember how he suffered, how he sacrificed himself for my sin. I can't even tell you what a great, I mean you just, human language, it's impossible to express the sacrifice of Christ. That he would sacrifice himself and who he'd sacrifice himself for. Wretches like you and me. I mean it's just, you can't, Imagine a greater story than that. You'd think we'd never, ever forget such a sacrifice, wouldn't you? But I say through tears, we do. We do because of the flesh that we live in. Our flesh is constantly at war against the Spirit, trying to get us to trust in something the flesh can do. Trying to get us to trust in something of our own self-righteousness. Just trust anything other than Christ alone. The flesh will tell you, trust Christ plus your works. Trust, I mean, not Christ alone. The flesh is constantly at us that way, isn't it? At the Spirit. Well, we need to be reminded of Christ's sacrifice for us. Now, we're reminded of Christ's sacrifice every single time the gospel is preached. If the blood... The sacrifice of Christ, His righteousness is not in the message. It's not worth preaching and not worth listening to. We're reminded of the sacrifice of Christ every time the gospel is preached, aren't we? But the Lord's table is a special time. It's a special time. It's a, it's a tangible thing. It vividly reminds the believer of Christ's body broken for my sin. His blood shed for my sin. And I would be very, I would just not very careful. I'd be adamant to stay away from tangible things 
being part of our worship service. Because worship is spiritual, isn't it? Salvation is spiritual, not tangible. But our Lord gave us this tangible thing, this bread to be broken and eaten, this wine to be drunk in faith, picturing his broken body and his shed blood. He told us, this is what you do to remember me. And this is not just a religious ceremony. It really isn't. This is this observing the Lord's table is very, very important. Because when we take this table, we're sh- fully showing the Lord's death. We're fully showing. This is such a simple, simple thing. Bread and wine. This common everyday word um, elements, you know. Just It can't be more simple than this. But this bread broken and eaten, this wine drunk, fully shows how God saved his people from their sin. I'm not making that up. Look at verse 26 in 1 Corinthians 11. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show, and that word show is fully tell, the Lord's death till he come. Taking the elements of this table tells the whole story. How God saved his people from their sins. And if your only hope, your only hope of forgiveness, your only hope of righteousness, your only hope of eternal life, your only hope of salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. You take these elements and eat it, remembering Christ the Savior when the men pass it out. All right, Wayne, if you men would distribute the bread.
Let me read these instructions to you again. The apostle says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Gary, would you give thanks for our Lord's body? Our dear Heavenly Father, we truly have been blessed this morning. For you have had a pastor who preached unto us his most precious, precious words in which you have commanded that we should keep, that we should remember, truly understand what's been done to you. Remember your death. To know that only by that very sacrifice of that death. And we have eternal life. There is no other remembrance of that. So as we break this bridge, we pray that you bless us. We remember your broken life. How you suffered the wrath who bore your sins in your father's country. What a blessing this is, Lord, to us that we keep this with us. We take this with us. Throughout the day, throughout the days of our lives, we remember precious. Is this ordinance that we do? We not do these things in repetition, but do these things with a heart that you have given. Do these things in Christ's name. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Wayne, would you give thanks for the blood? Our gracious, holy heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us to this place this morning. 
you know, when we observe the Lord's table, it's a very, very somber thing. It's almost like we're sitting at the foot of the cross. But can you think of anything that makes you happier? <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a good morning. Now, when the Lord and his disciples observed the last Passover and the first Lord's table, it says they sung a song and went out. So, Sean, you come lead us and sing a song. I like what Wayne prayed there. And we go out. I pray we don't forget. I pray we don't forget. All right, Sean. If you would, turn to song number 466 and stand as we sing, Christ liveth in me. <laughs> 